Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. Happy November, everyone! We're starting the home stretch of 2022, and I'm headed back to the Old Republic era for the final four episodes of the year. And it starts with many people's favorite character. Today's book is Star Wars The Old Republic Revan by Drew Karpishan the author of the Darth Bane trilogy, and it's coming up in just a few minutes. But first, it's listener question time. Today's email comes from Dallin, who says, I only started listening to Star Wars books earlier this year, and mostly I've stuck with canon. However, after listening to your podcast, I read the Bane trilogy and Darth Plagueis, and I love them. I thought it was interesting to see the difference in philosophy between Bane and Plagueis specifically when it comes to the need for the rule of two versus living forever. While reading Dynasty of Evil, I had the impression that Bane never intended to extend his life indefinitely, rather only long enough to train Darth Cognus to replace Zana, whereas Plagueis was hell-bent on immortality. It seemed to me that by the time of the prequel movies, the Sith Order has possibly lost sight of Bane's vision for the Sith and had become weaker. Rather than ensuring that the dark side is focused in only the two strongest dark side users, as Bane believed, Plagueis and Sidious allowed themselves to become weak. Instead of challenging Plagueis in his full strength, Sidious only attacked when his master was weakened, especially considering that Bane was concerned that this was Zana's plan as well, to attack him when he was aged and weak, which he believed would make her unworthy to be Lord of the Sith. My headcanon now is that Plagueis and Sidious made the Sith weak, which ultimately allowed the light side to win. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Have the Sith become weaker since the rule of Darth Bane? That is a fantastic question, Dallin. This is my favorite type of Star Wars question. There's no wrong answer here. There's no right answer and there's no wrong answer. It's really how you interpret the events you see on the page and on the screen. Now, for me, I think there's two very different parts to your question. First, what was Bane's intent for the Sith while establishing the Rule of Two? And second, does the quest for immortality show a weakness in the Sith? Let me start with the first part. In the Bane novels, Bane had a few reasons for establishing the Rule of Two. He believed that having dozens or hundreds of Sith Lords running around, conspiring with and against each other, stabbing each other in the back while trying to maintain a political and military faction to battle the Jedi Order made it impossible for the Sith to achieve true mastery 
of the dark side of the Force. It watered the dark side down. Bane believed that the only way to ultimate power was by consolidating the Sith Order to just two people. That way, the Sith continually grew in knowledge and passed that increasing knowledge down through the generations. Now, there was also a practical reason for establishing the rule of two. When Bane wiped out the Brotherhood of Darkness, the Sith were at their weakest. Bane needed to go into hiding because the Jedi Order would have either captured or killed him. So, Bane knew the Sith needed to go into hiding, and in order to accumulate enough power and influence to defeat the Jedi and rule the galaxy, Bane knew that the Sith would have to wait for centuries, maybe millennia. The Master is supposed to teach the Apprentice, the Apprentice learns from the Master, all the while the Apprentice is obliged to destroy the Master once they become more powerful. Does it show weakness that Sidious waited until Plagueis was injured and drunk before killing him? And does it show weakness that Zana waited until Bane was older before challenging him? Personally, I don't think so at all. I don't think there's anything implied in the Rule of Two that says the Apprentice needs to challenge the Master when the Master is still at their physical peak. It's about ensuring the knowledge of the dark side is passed on. The Apprentice has to be sure there's nothing left for the Master to teach them. And remember, part of the power of the dark side is hiding in the shadows, taking advantage of situations. I've never thought being a powerful Force user meant you were a powerful fighter. For me, it means you have a deep understanding of the Force. And the Force is more than lightsaber combat and Sith lightning, in my opinion. Now, the second part of your question. Does the pursuit of immortality from Plagueis show a weakness in the Sith? Again, for me, it does not. What was the end goal of Bane's Rule of Two? For the Sith to become powerful enough to defeat the Jedi Order and take control of the galaxy. By the time of Plagueis and Sidious, that's what's happening. Plagueis believed that he was at the precipice of fulfilling Bane's vision. But unfortunately for him, Plagueis was one generation early. Sidious was the culmination of the Rule of Two. He destroyed the Jedi Order. He took over the Republic, bringing the galaxy under Sith rule. And in both Legends and Canon, it appears Sidious was studying essence transference to keep himself alive, something that Bane himself was studying way back a thousand years ago. So, no, in my opinion, I don't think the Sith were weaker than back in Bane's day. I think they were immensely stronger. But it really depends on what you think strength in the Force means. Thank you very much for the email, Dallin. Just a fabulous, fabulous question. Those are my favorite kind. Now, if you want to be really cool like Dallin and would like to contact the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at legendslounge1. Or if you'd like to get your voice on the show, just record yourself and email it in. But please remember MP3 or MP4 audio format. Now it's time to dive into today's book, Revan by Drew Karpishin. Grab yourself a drink and let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Mm-hmm. 
story begins a few years after the events of the Knights of the Old Republic video game. Revan is married to Bastila Shan, living on Coruscant. Revan is plagued by nightmares of images that he believes are part of his past as a Sith Lord, a past taken from him by the Jedi Order. Revan fears there is something dark growing in the unknown regions of the galaxy, something that will threaten the Republic, Bastila, and their unborn child. Revan needs information about what he and his former apprentice, Malak, did during the Mandalorian Wars. He tries to meet with his former follower, Mitra Surik, but learns that she's been banished by the Jedi. Instead, Revan meets with Candorus Ordo, a Mandalorian living on Coruscant who fought against the Republic during the war, but with whom Revan has become friends. Revan tells Candorus about one of his nightmares, about a frozen planet at the edge of the Unknown Regions, where he and Malak fought Mandalorian forces. Candorus says there is a group of Mandalorians on the planet Rekiad, a frozen wasteland they believe may be where Mandalore's mask is hidden. Candorus agrees to take Revan and Revan's droid T3 to Rekiad to see if there are any clues about the darkness that Revan fears is coming. Deep in the unknown regions on the Sith capital of Droman Kos, the Sith Empire is rebuilding. Beaten down during the Great Hyperspace War over a thousand years ago, the Sith have secretly expanded their empire, hidden from the eyes of the Jedi and the Republic. The Sith Emperor orders Lord Scourge to investigate allegations between Dark Council members. Scourge arrives at Darth Nyrus's compound, and he's attacked by a group of assassins. Scourge draws on the power of the dark side and easily kills the attackers. He meets with Darth Nyrus, who admits to hiring the assassin to test him, to see if Scourge was strong enough to serve her. Nyrus tells Scourge about a traitorous faction within the Dark Council. The traitors are plotting to overthrow the Emperor. They're led by Darth Zedrix, a Sith Lord whose power is waning. Scourge travels to the planet Bastirda to confront Zedrix. He ambushes the elderly Sith Lord and two of his acolytes. The acolytes ignite their lightsabers to defend their master. They attack Scourge from the flanks, trapping the Sith between them. The acolytes are enthusiastic, but poorly trained, and Scourge quickly notices a weakness. The acolytes defend each other when one is in danger. Scourge uses that weakness to trick the acolytes. As Scourge advances on one of them, the other moves to block. Quickly, Scourge turns on the second acolyte and slashes her through the abdomen. He then kills the first acolyte and turns on Zedrix. Surprisingly, the Sith Lord hasn't moved during the fight. Confused, cautious, Scourge advances. When suddenly, Zedrix unleashes a powerful blast of Force Lightning, smashing Scourge into the wall. But the blast fails to incapacitate Scourge, and he realizes Zedrix has grown weak. He gambled on that one attack, killing him. And it failed. Scourge steps to Zedrix, ignites his lightsaber, and decapitates the Sith Lord. On Rekiad, Candorus brings Revan to members of his Mandalorian clan. The Mandalorians are wary of the Outsider, but Candorus tells them that Revan can help in the search for Mandalore's mask. 
That night, Revan dreams of himself and Malak on a tall plateau. It turns out the Mesa is 50 kilometers away, but the Mandalorians make quick work of the trip. They climb the plateau and find an entrance to an underground vault. Inside, Revan finds Mandalore's mask and a recording he left behind from the Mandalorian War. The recording talks about how Mandalore was tricked by a Sith Lord from the planet Nathema, deep in the unknown regions. On Droman Kass, Scourge presents Zedrix's head to Darth Nyrus. Impressed, Nyrus confides in Scourge that all the members of the Dark Council are conspiring against the Emperor. She says the Emperor's insane, that he's planning to invade the Republic, and an invasion that Nyrus says will bring an end to the Sith Empire. Nyrus takes Scourge to the Emperor's homeworld of Nathema. She tells Scourge that over a thousand years ago, the Emperor, then known as Lord Vitiate, tricked the Sith into performing a dark ritual, one that annihilated every living thing on the planet, including the other Sith Lords. The ritual transferred all of Nathema's life force into Vitiate, granting him immortality and unrivaled power. The emptiness that he feels on Nathema disgusts Scourge. He agrees to help Nyrus and the other council members to destroy the Emperor. As the two Sith leave Nathema, Revan's ship arrives. The Sith shoot down Revan and capture him. But T3 hides. After the Sith leave with Revan, T3 begins repairing the ship. It takes a little more than a year for the droid to fix the ship, but eventually he heads back to Republic space. The story jumps ahead four years. Mitra Surik, the Exile, and T3 meet with Bastila Shan. They show her a recording T3 made of Revan's abduction on the Thema. When Mitra says she plans to find Revan, Bastila offers to go with her. But the Exile refuses, saying Bastila needs to stay and raise she and Revan's young son. Reluctantly, Bastila agrees. As Mitra prepares to head off to the unknown regions, Bastila gives Mitra a hollow recording to show Revan his son, Vayner, and something else, wrapped in a black cloth. Revan's mask. Mitra arrives at Nathema and is revolted by the planet. It's not that the world is dead. It's like the force has been completely ripped apart from it. T3 shows Mitra to a municipal building in the planet's capital. There, she finds information about the Sith world of Droman Kass. Once there, Mitra shows an information broker a photo of the Sith in T3's recording. It's Lord Scourge. The two meet, and Scourge tells Mitra about Revan, held captive for the last four years in Darth Nyrus's compound. Scourge agrees to help Mitra break Revan out, but only if she will agree to help convince Revan to help Scourge destroy the Emperor. Scourge is convinced that Revan is the only one powerful enough to stop Lord Vitiate. But Scourge says the two of them aren't strong enough to attack Nyrus's compound alone. He's going to the Emperor's palace to convince the Emperor that Nyrus is a traitor. But the Emperor has thoughts of his own and sends his army against more than just Nyrus. He decides to purge the entire 12-person Dark Council, 
During the attacks, Scourge and Mitra free Revan from Nyrus's prison. Revan embraces Mitra, who gives the Jedi his mask. Suddenly, all of the memories the Jedi had locked away in Revan's head come flooding back to him about Malak, the Mandalorian War, the Unknown Regions, and the Sith Empire. Revan says that he and Malak met the Emperor years ago, and the Dark Lord corrupted their minds, sending them back to the Republic to lay the foundation for the Sith invasion. But it was an invasion that never came, because Revan and Malak never reported back to the Emperor. As the three Force users start to flee the prison, Darth Nyrus arrives. Mitra and Scourge attack, but the Sith Lord is too powerful for them. But Nyrus is no match for Revan. He absorbs Nyrus's lightning attack and redirects it right back at her. Nyrus dies screaming, turning to a pile of ash. The group sets out to stop the Emperor the next day, but Scourge is plagued by a force vision of a Jedi Knight killing the Emperor. However, he doesn't see Revan, Mitra, or himself. When the three enter the Emperor's throne room, Revan attacks, but the Emperor is too powerful. While the Emperor is distracted with Revan, Mitra attacks, and in that moment, Scourge understands his Force vision. The Jedi Knight that kills the Emperor isn't Revan, and it's not Mitra, but someone later. But someone in the future. Suddenly, Scourge ignites his lightsaber and drives it through Mitra's back, killing her. Scourge then tells the Emperor everything he did was to root out all of the traitors in the Empire, those from the Sith Council and those from the Republic. The Emperor orders Scourge to take Revan into custody and placed in a suspension tank where the Emperor intends to interrogate him for information about the Republic. He may have to wait longer than he intended, but the Emperor is still planning to invade the Republic. The story ends a few decades later with an elderly Bastila talking to her son about Revan. Vayner asks his mother if his father would have been disappointed that he didn't join the Jedi Order. Bastila says she knows Revan would have been proud of Vayner. Bastila is remorseful that she doesn't know what happened to her husband, but she tells Vayner he must have been successful because the darkness that Revan feared from the unknown regions has never come to the Republic. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll talk more about Revan. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thanks for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends but allow me to suggest a book from Star Wars canon. Queen's Peril is the story of young Padme Amidala in the first few weeks after she's elected Queen of Naboo. Joined by a group of young women with extraordinary skills, Padme and her handmaidens learn how to govern while the threat of the Trade Federation looms over the planet. That's Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today's book is The Old Republic, Revan, 
by Drew Karpishin. This is the second time that I've read this book. And honestly, the first time was just before I started the podcast. I read all of the Old Republic books about five or six months before I decided to try my hand at podcasting. And when I decided to come up with a show for Legends, I didn't want to just go back and read the books that I had just finished. Now, I'm doing the four Old Republic novels here at the end of my second season because I had a listener email in at the beginning of the season and asked if I would do these books. So I said, sure, might as well. I've said before on the show, I'm not a video game player. I've never played the Knights of the Old Republic video game. From everything I hear, it is one of the best Star Wars video games ever made, if not the best. It's at least one of the most beloved. But I guess because I've never played the video game, I do not have the affinity to Revan and Malak and Bastilashan and all of the other characters from that time period. I've never played KOTOR. I've never played SWOTOR, the MMO that I understand continues to this day. I have watched a couple of the videos on YouTube, but I don't have the affinity for these characters that I know a lot of you listeners do. So I just want full disclosure on that. As far as the book goes, I find parts of this book a little disjointed, and I wonder if it's because of the time jump in the middle. I understand the reasoning for the time jump from when Revan is captured by Lord Scourge and Darth Nyrus, and then four years later, Mitra setting off to find him. I understand it, but there was just a little bit of a disconnect with the narrative for me. Honestly, the parts of the book that were most interesting to me were the parts where Lord Scourge was investigating Darth Nyrus and the other members of the Dark Council for treason against the Emperor. I like a good political thriller. I wish there were more of those parts in this book because it felt like we only scratched the surface of Scourge's investigation. Each time he finds a lead, he just goes to check up on it and then ends up in a lightsaber duel. He never really gets a chance to question any suspects because he has to kill them. When it comes to Revan as a character, I know that in the game, you could choose to be Revan as male or female. I thought it was interesting in this book that Karpishin decided to go with Revan as a male. I think if you brought Revan into canon today, I think it would be really interesting to just leave Revan beneath the mask and not reveal what gender Revan is. So the character could be anybody, could be anything. I think that'd be an interesting way to go. And when I say to bring Revan into canon, I guess technically the character is canon. In The Rise of Skywalker, 
when the resistance travels to Exegol and finds the First Order fleet, one of the groups of Sith troopers are the Third Revan Legion. Now, it's a very small reference, but it does bring Revan into canon. So, could we see more stories with the character going forward? I'd like to see what they do. But personally, I would like some original stories with the character that aren't really tied to the Old Republic Legends tales, to KOTOR, SWOTOR, any of these four Old Republic books from Legends. I think it's a blank slate with Revan. Now, there are definitely things with the character that they did in Legends that I would find really cool if they did it in canon, like to show Revan as a Jedi falling to the dark side of the Force and then being brought back. But I want them to do it in an original way and not in the same way that it's described in the Legends continuity. But you know me, I'm all for bringing as many aspects of Legends storytelling into canon as possible. I think it's fun for the people who grew up with and love the Legends stories, and I think it can be fun for Star Wars fans that aren't familiar with those stories to gain an appreciation of the storytelling that took place in the Legends continuity. Maybe it will pique their curiosity to go back and see where these characters and these story arcs originated from. You can compare and contrast which one you like better. I just think it would be really neat. One last little thing about this book. When comparing Drew Karpishan's writing here in this story to the Bane trilogy, one of the differences I noticed was in the fight sequences. For me, the fight sequences in the Bane books are much more descriptive and much more elaborate than they are here in Revan. Now, that could be because Carpishan had a whole trilogy of books to write for Bane, and he could really go in-depth with the story. He could elaborate. With just one book, there is an economy of words that Carpishan needed to use, and perhaps... He decided to make the fight sequences a lot shorter in order to save space, to get all of the plot details that he wanted in this book. Just one little tidbit. I'm not saying one way is better than the other. I just noticed the difference as I read more and more of the fight sequences in this story. Now we're getting close to the end of the show, but before I go... I have some new favorite character squads to read. This week, I have two. The first is from Lewis, who set up his ideal Star Wars road trip. Cool, this is the first one of these. Lewis's driver is Han Solo, with Chewie riding shotgun for the long drives. His navigator is L337 from Solo, A Star Wars Story. Lando perhaps says it best, L3 is the best navigator in the galaxy. 
On snack duty, it's Jedi Master Luminara Unduli, as she seems to care for everyone, so she would bring a wide variety of treats. Lewis, I'm not sure I agree that Luminara seems to be the most caring person out there, but this is your ideal road trip. Finn from the sequel trilogy mans the radio. Lewis says it just seems like something that he'd enjoy. That is a great shout out. Now, what kind of music do you think Finn would listen to? I don't know. I'm thinking Finn is more of a mid 80s to early 90s hairband fan. You know, Poison, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi. I don't know. That's the kind of vibe I get from Finn. Back to Lewis's list. Lewis has Lando Calrissian planning the stops and the activities for the road trip. And finally, Lewis has an in-car activity setter upper. Sheev Palpatine. Lewis says he would come up with some good ideas and manipulate the results to keep everyone happy. Awesome list, Lewis. That's a great road trip party. Seven people. I'm guessing you're renting a passenger van or something. Our second character squad today is from Jacob, who's got two squads, another road trip team, and a set of bounty hunters. Jacob's road trip team is Din Jarden on the wheel, R2-D2 as his navigator. Fives from the Clone Wars is maintenance and supplies. Wrecker is on snacks, and Darth Maul is the muscle. Interesting. Why would you need muscle on a road trip? Don't know, but Maul could come in handy. And finally, live music provided by Max Rebo. Nice. So not the whole Max Rebo band, just Max himself. Either way, awesome. Live music. Now, Jacob's second group is a bounty hunter team that Jacob is calling the Lockjaw Gang. The employer of the gang is Darth Maul. Django Fett is the leader. Asajj Ventress and Black Chrysanthemum round out the sentient beings. And Chopper is the droid. Nice group there, Jacob. With Max Rebo playing live music, I'm imagining a motorhome or some other vehicle big enough to carry all of his equipment. Also, on your bounty hunter team, I think your bounty hunters would eventually get annoyed and shoot Chopper. But that's just me. Now, time to wrap up. If you have a question or comment for the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. And if you want to get your voice on the show, record your own audio file and email it in. Just record it in MP3 or MP4 format, please. And keep sending me in your Star Wars favorite character groupings, your Starfighter squadrons, your road trip buddies, your Sabacc tables. New topic, who are you going to invite to your Star Wars Thanksgiving potluck? And what dishes do they bring? I want to hear from you. Now, speaking of Thanksgiving, coming up in two weeks, it's the next Old Republic novel, Deceived by Paul S. Kemp. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.